A sound guy in a shitty Nick, garage. Nick, we're done. Oh, we're we're done. good. We're finished. Sorry. Also, it's a studio. It's a studio. If you could, mm. is that how you feel? I mean, I like you, and I like this town. I mean you. In this wonderful town, I like you. You put a smile on Sean. my Michael. How you doing? Good. I'm actually doing really good. I feel good today. Me too. I feel like we're going to knock this one out of the park. I think so. I think we're both prepared. Yeah. Pretty prepared. I mean... Wait, I you are to... prepared, right? Yeah, I just... Let me get this uh, wiki page open. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about. Every time. You can't just count on your laptop. So to the listeners at home, I never have a laptop in front of me with a bunch of information. What I have is a, a notebook full of notes that I've taken because I've researched stuff. I spend a lot of time editing. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> editing uh, uh, editing my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So we're here to talk about. Uh, we're we're doing a second part uh, mm-hmm. of our history of animation or adult animation. Did we come up with the official title of it? I don't remember. I'll have to listen to the other one. I haven't edited it yet. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> so you know, we're trying to go through some of the uh, pioneers and of uh, adult-oriented animation, and also uh, some of the seminal films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. On the last BB we did about this, we talked about Ralph Bakshi. With Fritz the Cat. Fritz the Cat and uh, American Pop. Mm-hmm. And American Pop actually transitions into this episode really, really well. Yeah. Uh, it came out same time as the first film we're going to talk about. 1981. 1981. Music-focused, animated film that just glorifies music. Yeah. Which uh, both these two films that we're talking about kind of have that sense. Yeah, these are very musical films. So the first one on the docket? Well, the first one. So today we're going to talk about two films, Heavy Metal, mm-hmm. 1981, and Rock and Rule, uh, which came out in 1983. So let's start with Heavy Metal. Yeah. This was a film basically based on the Heavy Metal magazine that was coming out at the time. Heavy Metal magazine still is out. It's comes called out. Like Metal Ele- Elephant or something now, isn't it? Not, Do they change it? The yeah, I don't think it's heavy metal magazine anymore. No, I don't know why they it. would change it. Uh, I assume it it's just heavy else. metal, like heavier metal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the heaviest metal now? Is it, <laughs> um, is it called Black Death or is it called um, Animated Porn? Yeah, that's probably Animated it. Porn magazine. That more or less is all the heavy metal is. <laughs> I've I have some gears to grind with this. Uh, uh, yeah, that's this film. I know you do. That's kind of why I said animated porn because I know <laughs> you're you're not you're not into some of the scenes that were in this movie. Yes. So it was directed by uh, Gerald Potterton. Gerald Potterton. Gerald Potterton. <laughs> he actually he's got a really interesting history because he actually he's the guy who did uh, Yellow Submarine. Really, Gerald Potterton. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. So he's an animation director. 
uh yellow submarine if you haven't seen it it's fine (laughs) (laughs) i mean it depends how much you like the beatles yeah i mean if you really love the beatles you gotta see it must see uh (laughs) if you don't like the beatles then it doesn't matter it really that's the way i felt anyways after seeing yellow submarine i was like whoa psychedelic but yeah Psychedelic can become kind of boring after if you, a while. If, if you don't really like the Beatles or you don't really have any opinion about if the Beatles. If you didn't have any of uh, the edibles that yeah. they were eating at the time <laughs> yeah. when they made the movie. Yeah, you just need some drugs. It'll be fine. But I would still recommend other films over Yellow Submarine if I was on drugs. Yeah. So many others. Yeah. You know what? I didn't get stoned when I watched these ones, and I really wish I had. You did, did on the last one. On the last one, I was really high. Yeah, the Ralph Bakshi stuff, you were, yeah. you were super stoned. I was zooming. Which... Uh, actually makes them easier to watch yes so gerald potterton uh also did animation stuff for pbs uh and the children's television workshop mm-hmm. he did uh some of the cartoons for sesame street and then their uh basically their uh i don't know you call it what, what do you call it when uh two sitcoms are uh linked spin-off, spin-off. yeah they did, did a spin-off i call it a spin-off the electric company Oh, okay. you familiar with the electric company? Yeah. Uh, crazy show. Bill Cosby was on it. Mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman started his career on the electric company. Yep. But he did a bunch of uh, basically educational videos. I think, I don't know if he's the st- same as the Schoolhouse Rock guy. Might be, though. I don't know. Hey, let's Google that shit. Because I, I have a feeling, because there is an animation style that is very, well, you know, I'm just going to say 70s. It's not like he's the only 70s uh, animation director. Hmm. Got it created by mm. David McCall. Not the same guy, then. So not the same guy. Created by David McCall. Schoolhouse Rock. Not the same guy. I, I've I've talked about his past works for a reason. Think about the transition from Yellow Submarine. Yeah. You know, 60s happy psychedelia to Sesame Street, The Electric Company, educational core programming for, for young kids. Moral Educational morals are conveyed letters math yeah all these things that that were a part of these programs and then he went on to do heavy metal yeah which is the opposite it very much is it disturbs me greatly that he went on to do this yeah so uh what do we want to talk about first the virtues of heavy metal or the cons of heavy metal <laughs> okay let's talk about the virtues okay uh about the it's it why it's interesting great animation really neat sequences uh, visually, used a I, lot of rotoscoping, which it, we it, talked about. It in the did, last but it episode. blended it, it blended it well with not just um, not just uh, like tile uh, animation. Like uh, what's the what's the term? Um, I have no idea what you're saying. Well, um, ah, like when you, like like Disney style animation, like cell shading, cell cell animation. Yeah, blends it well with cell animation. Mm-hmm. And also, Almost, uh, also, and, I would say blended better than a lot of Ralph Bakshi stuff. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think this is a higher grade of animation than the yeah. Bakshi rotoscoping. Uh, it's I don't get the uh, uncanny valley. I just I get a little bit more immersed in the actual animation of it. So the cell animation's great, and the actual like they shoot models, like they blow up a house mm-hmm. model and things like that. Okay, like, like they actually f- videotape things. So to give you a, the audience at home a bit of a plot idea of uh, where how this movie works without spoiling it yeah there there's little basically mini stories all connected um by the lochnar which is basically the essence of evil it's a green glowing ball this green glowing ball yeah it's it's a it can be a crystal or just some kind of sphere 
and it opens up there there's one narrative that links it all and it's basically this astronaut coming to, coming home in his corvette from outer space from outer, like he literally drops out of a shuttle in his corvette flies home goes his daughter's like daddy daddy you're home he's like i got you a gift and he's got this case he puts it on a desk opens it up there's this green glowing orb and then uh, he melts into bones and jelly. It is the right most in front of his daughter. It's so fucked up. It's really fucked up. Okay, back to the pros, <laughs> the yeah. virtues of the film. <laughs> okay, but but let's just give an idea of how this goes. So it, it's split up into multiple parts. Yeah. Uh, actually, each part is most of it's based off of actual stories from Heavy Metal Magazine that yeah. they've linked in. Yeah. Uh, each story is has a different writer, a writer that writes for Heavy Metal Magazine, and. Uh, Animation wise, I think they're all they're, there's slight differences in the animation too. I believe each oh, one yeah. is they're, done. They're definitely uh, independent and then linked together. Yeah. Uh, what was your? Do you have a do you have a favorite uh, visually a favorite segment? Uh, visually, my favorite. I don't know. I think visually, my favorite was the last one with the warrior lady. Like, yeah, that, that one, one was looked pretty beautiful. good. When the th- the bird is flying yeah, over a lot of landscape the, stuff. Yeah, lots of lots of weird. Um, uh, uh, almost vertigo-inducing scapes. Yeah, they're really so, neat. So anyone who doesn't uh, isn't familiar with heavy metal, I'm sure you'd be familiar with some of the fantasy tropes, the Conan the Barbarian stuff. Uh, artists like uh, Frank Frazetta, Boris uh, Vallejo, or Vallejo, as <laughs> I don't know how it's quite pronounced, but it's none of those. Uh, with the scantily clad lady atop mounting on something, Usually a warrior in the background, a Conan type, you know, also Sword. scantily clad with a some kind of large weapon in his hand. Sometimes there's scattered enemies that they've vanquished, or there's beasts that are rippling with muscle, you know, that kind of thing. All in oil paint and done almost kind of hyper realistic. So that's essentially what that segment. That, is. That's 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 essentially what this whole movie yeah. is. It's like they really they picked up on like you know what we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna push boundaries yeah we're gonna do the things that uh, will make this movie rated R yeah which inclu- includes uh, uh, nudity sure and let's go let's go to uh, one of my favorite things about this film is the voice cast. Okay, high virtue of this <laughs> cast is is like some of the best like SCTV alumni and like you're right. If we if we digress into the I don't want I don't want to get into we're the, never going to get back. I'm never going to never going to lose out of this myself hole. in the cons. Okay, okay. Voice so, cast. So the voice cast we've got we've got like John Candy, Eugene Levy, Harold Ramey, and uh, even uh, um, uh, Joe Flaherty. Joe Flaherty's on there. He's too. a lawyer. Yeah. 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 Eugene Levy is in, he plays a few characters. John Candy does as well. Like it's it's. It's really fun to peg their voices out. It is a co-Canadian U.S. Uh, production. Yeah. This film, um, which I think is where the SCTV mm-hmm. cast comes in. So, well, it was produced by Ivan Reitman, and Ivan Reitman, obviously. Do you say Reitman? I've always said Reitman. Reitman. I, I say Reitman. I've Pretty always sure said it's Reitman. Reitman. I think everybody says Reitman. The people oh, he knows. Shit. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I'm pretty sure it's Reitman, though. Is it Carl Reiner or Carl Reiner? It's Carl Reiner, <laughs> but it's Ivan Reitman. The eyes on the other side. <laughs> so great voice cast. Great voice cast. Um, I actually, I'm curious as to how they actually 
presented it to them at the same time this was 81 they weren't so they big, weren't yeah. they weren't nearly as they were straight they were yeah. still doing sctv john, pro- yeah. still filming sctv weren't they uh i'm not sure but i know john candy didn't have a whole lot of credits like he didn't have the big credits he had later like he wasn't yeah. as well known and neither like eugene levy for sure wasn't nearly as well known at the time yeah any of them well harold ramus like, was only uh oh wait you said ramy is it ramy Harold Ramis, I, Harold Ra- I, I yeah, I don't know. Harold Ramis, Harold Ramis. I'm pretty sure it's, it's Harold Ramis. Ramis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but, I've, I've said it. I've but said he it with did Ghostbusters. A few times, yeah. He did Ghostbusters like two years later. Yeah, yeah, but so, not yet. You're right, right. <laughs> Hadn't done it yet. Yeah. Um. So that's good. It's a great part of it. The voices in the mm-hmm. movie are pretty awesome. All of the voice acting is actually pretty fun and enjoyable. So, do you want to run through each? story because I, I feel like if no i don't want to run through each story because i want people to people should go watch it you should watch it i don't want to ruin those stories. okay what's your favorite story uh, my favorite story is that one at the uh, is the one at the end it's the a little very bit, end yeah it, it's, the, with the uh the terrakians the terrakians i liked that it was the only thing about the whole movie that kind of made any sort of sense involving the mm-hmm. the the uh what's the name of the orb again the lochnar the lochnar it kind of actually is part of that story the rest of it is just it's the only one that actually also shows that uh, the idea of time actually is irrelevant mm-hmm. because the orb keeps presenting this young girl whom whom's, whose father she's just killed. Yeah. Uh, or he's it's just killed. And is like, you are basically the one thing that can possibly stop me and I'm here now in order to take you out of the picture. Yeah. And I'll show you the evils of the world and what I, how powerful I am. Yeah. So every one of these stories is kind of him bragging me like, yeah, that was me. Yeah. I did that one. It's kind of the only like girl power element of the whole movie. It's because it, the rest of it is really bad. Okay. So you like it because of the powerful female character. I like it because it's the only like not like the, I, okay. If I'm going to, if I'm going to say this, I have to get into the cons. Mm-hmm. The whole movie really plays out like a, uh, a 12 year old boy's jerk off fantasy oh yeah big time it is I just... jerked off twice to this movie when I, <laughs> when I watched it in 1996 when it was re-released on DVD or video whatever was out at that yeah, time yeah I'm sure you did I, because it all is just the whole way through is just men falling into fantasy situations where they meet beautiful women who for some reason want to have sex with them even though they're weird dudes yeah we see uh, there is uh, animated muff a lot in this film yeah <laughs> Yeah, and this the last that last no sequence. penises though nope. Uh, so that last sequence was just kind of bullshit. The, <laughs> the last se- sequence was the only one that was like just not like I just didn't feel offended the whole time I was watching. Mm-hmm. Like the rest of it, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I want to believe it was trying to be self acknowledging in that way, but I I don't. It really See, it felt very indulgent. So I felt that the part that was self acknowledging was uh, the second story, the story of Den. Which I think is your favorite, right? I like that one. That's the one that stars I thought, John I de- Candy. I definitely thought it was funny. Basically, it's got an 18-year-old kid who's a total nerd in his bedroom, finds a cool rock, which happens to be the Loch Nahr, Yeah. and he's doing experiments with electricity in his bedroom, like his suburban house bedroom kind of thing, and ends up getting transported to this planet. And it's a super psychedelic scene, and then ends up basically getting to this planet, and he's basically Conan there. Yeah. I don't know what happens to him if he gets put into someone's body or or even what the point is. No. Because it seems like the Loch Ness sent him there. 
Yeah, yeah. His, his motives are ass. his motives are so very unclear sometimes. So, so the reason I think it's self-referential is because he's this warrior who talks like this, and it's still John Candy doing a low warrior voice. Yeah, but then he's got his inner monologue, which, which is talks like, like a twelve-year-old. Yeah, he's nerd. like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Oh man, like, I could never get a girl like this back home. Yeah, I'm staying. <laughs> yeah, like ugh. Or like <laughs> two girls throw themselves at me in one day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had this happen to me before in my yeah. life, and now twice in one yeah. day. Yeah, in all my 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's so I think that I felt like that was itself make like I I thought I, it was I totally making a joke of the situation, being like the heavy metal magazine is for that yeah. 12 to 18 year old who is sitting in his room hiding magazines yeah under his mattress. Yeah, absolutely. I I'm not discounting where it came from and what it is. It's just you know. Watching it with modern eyes is is a little tough until the the end's a lot better than than the beginning. So the the person who wrote uh, the story of Den was a guy named Richard Corbin, and he is probably one of the best writers in Heavy Metal magazine. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're really. I was I remembered watching this when I was a teenager, watching it again in uh, this past week. I was really shocked at some of these, well, the misogyny. It's crazy. It's crazy misogyny. And, you know, we talked about this with the Ralph Bakshi stuff, misogyny out the yin-yang. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, this one, yeah, there is no more balance here. And that I feel like the last last story in this movie definitely didn't make up for it. It's also like the stories don't even, some of them don't even make sense. You can yeah. tell like it was kind of like pasted together, and looking at like um, the production history, it was. Yeah, they like, kind of like other stories that actually got cut because they bumped up the release date of the film, the the studios. Yeah, um, it's almost like the Lochnar was like a really half-assed band-aid for it all. Yeah, they're like, well, we need the, something to like they want to the do themes, that Twilight Zone Tales from the Crypt kind of link exactly, to and the themes of him being evil all the way through don't really work. No, I mean, there's the episode where. Um, the woman gets sucked up out of the Pentagon. Yeah. And basically, uh, accidentally, um, and basically that story ends with no evil happening at all except she ends up marrying a robot she meets on the ship that abducted her. The John Candy robot. Yeah, another John Candy one. Yeah. Pretty much any of the ones with John Candy actually were the best ones. Because the John Candy robot is just so good at sexually satisfying her. Yeah, he's programmed to do it. (laughs) So he really wants to marry her. But he also talks her into it. He talks her into marriage. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, but I don't understand. And she's like, whatever, if you just shut up, I'll marry you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fine, we'll get married. Yeah, that's basically. Okay, so... Good animation. How many Borcellis out of five? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'm going to say two. And it's only added two because uh, the historical importance of yeah. of the movie coming out. I don't know. You know what? Okay. So oh, the, we, we got to talk about the music. I mean. Oh, right. Yeah, I guess the, so. <laughs> one of the biggest parts. So both these movies, you know, we said linked with American pop because they're music focused. So this one has huge soundtrack of all the the greats of, of the time. A lot of a lot of you know I, to this day I don't actually consider heavy metal, but hair metal for sure. Yeah. You got your Sammy Hagar's, you got your Blue Oyster Cults. 
Uh, Cheap Tricks in this one. Nazareth. And also in the yeah, other Cheap one. Trick's not hair metal, though. Cheap mm-hmm. Trick's entity on its own. Yeah, but it's it. Cheap Trick is film. in this yeah. one, also in the next film, mm-hmm. in a bigger way. Devo's yeah. in it in a couple tracks, Yeah, which is, is a good add-on. Uh, Stevie Nicks, Journey. Like it's it's a huge soundtrack. They they paid a lot of money for this. Oh yeah. What was the budget of this movie? So the budget of this one is nine point three million. Okay. So more expensive than the second movie we were about to talk about. Mm-hmm. And what did it make? Twenty point one. It's pretty good. Doubled itself. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's all for right. for the time. Well, considering like it was also a very specific demographic, like mm-hmm. kids weren't going to go see this at the theater. It was like all only adults. It was weird adults. Yeah. <laughs> it was played at art house theaters yeah yeah people were able to masturbate in their seats it was fine <laughs> um so yeah not a good movie i actually i've seen it now twice in my life and i never want to see it again yeah i think i'm done with it yeah i'm done time and place i get it but ugh. yeah it's hard to watch it is hard to watch it doesn't matter how supple of a breast you draw. If you put it on a character that is only there to be naked, then <laughs> then you're doing yourself a disservice to humankind. Quotes from Sean. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote that. I mean, it's going on your headstone. It's going to go in, my, <laughs> in one of my memoir books. Yeah. So next film I want to talk about, or we want to talk about, is... I, may, I love this film. I really enjoyed it. Rock and Rule. Yeah, Rock and Rule is great it's, so as, as opposed to being a u.s canadian co-production this was canadian purely canadian production yep and it has a hell of a soundtrack yeah this soundtrack so all the songs on the soundtrack are actually written for the movie so yeah. they're 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 singles and they weren't a couple of them got put on other albums or b-sides for some of these bands that are uh on this film but uh for the most part they're hard to find and i've I really wanted to find like full just recordings. Hard to do. Yeah. So this this film uh, was done two years later, 1983. Although apparently the animation, uh, uh, like they started animating it in 1979, so it was long in the works. Had some huge hiccups with uh, production. Actually, you watched the making of this film, right? Yeah, I didn't talk about any of the hiccups. It was a very glossed over. Oh, boring. Uh, I learned about the animation though. So, this uh, this was done by Nell Vanna, which uh, anyone who uh, remembers or is aware of Canadian cartoons, The Raccoons, mm-hmm. uh, Inspector Gadget, all these are Canadian cartoons that uh, um, were made by Nell Vanna. There's so many of them. This so this was their first adult oriented cartoon. Right. And do we want to say? Let's. I think we need to list the the musicians in this one. The the heavy hitters in this. Okay, so, yeah. Okay, so it's well. Okay, so it's cheap trick. Uh huh. Earth, wind, and fire. Mm-hmm. Debbie Harry. Mm-hmm. Lou Reed. Mm-hmm. And Iggy Pop. Uh huh. And don't forget for Canadian disco fans out there, Melanie Brown. Melanie Brown. Mm-hmm. So basically, there's two characters. There's Omar and Angel, who are in a band. Uh. There's also this, uh, the antagonist whose name is Mock. Mock. And Mock is like a character that is like a weird, uh, aged version of. He's kind of like a combination of Iggy Pop, um, Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger, 
And there's another one I keep thinking. Part of his style is definitely thrown in from Lou Reed. Like he, he's pull, got a bit he pulls of that, a lot of that Lou Reed swagger. Yeah, in there. he's but he's he's got the heroin chic yeah. thing going on, which is more like Iggy Poppy. Yeah, and his lips are definitely Jagger. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, basically, in this world, uh, it seems to me that uh, the rock stars are the super rock stars. Like they're kings. Yeah, you and, know, and Mock is the super Mock rock star of them all. Is the biggest of them all, and he's a man who continues to explore the ways to become the greatest rock and roll legend uh and really brings in a lot of like some of the stuff you see from hair metal stuff where you you get into like uh uh you know pentagrams and and uh devil worship or or you know things that are pagan in nature and he is in this future world uh, come up with like basically it's his big experiment this formula he has in order to rip open a dimensional portal and summon this being that is supposed to just destroy things and for him that is like him finally reaching rock and roll paramount mm-hmm. right so the key to opening this portal though is a voice a very specific, a voice. very specific voice, and he has searched the world. It opens up with him having searched the world, except for this one more show in his hometown. It's like a little dive bar. Little dive bar. It's talent night. Yeah, and uh, we cut then to our protagonists, uh, Angel and Omar, mm-hmm. uh, who are doing their thing. Angel's got his own vibe, which is uh, the 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 actual track behind it is Cheap Trick. Well, Cheap Trick wrote a song for it, and so any of the times when Omar uh, is is singing, yeah, it's Robin Zander from Cheap Trick, right? Who who does all the vocals, and Robin Zander is like the uh, backup vocalist, guitarist uh, from Cheap Trick. Uh, Rick Nielsen, being the lead of uh, Cheap Trick, wrote um, all of those songs, yeah, for this movie. Now, Angel, her singing. Uh, vocalist is Deborah Harry. Debbie. Harry. Uh, <laughs> she's credited as Deborah, though. I wanted to, you know, if you actually look it up, it's always Deborah. Everyone knows Debbie Harry, but they're saying Deborah. I don't know if maybe she's gone through all her Wikipedia's like, I've go I'm older now. I'm not Debbie anymore, so I'm a Deborah. <laughs> she's pretty young. She's then. edited it all. It's ninety Yeah, she was like forty. Yeah. Deborah Harry. Yeah. Yeah, see? Totally credited is. Deborah Harry. Okay, so so she's in the band, uh, and apparently she's the one with the voice. Yeah. So Mock is at this club. It's the last show. It's his last ditch effort, and uh, he's like, he's got this computer that basically gave him an algorithm to detect detect the voice. And when it when it goes on, uh, like his ring basically like starts to blink, and uh, Deborah Harry is the one who is going to be able to summon the demons. And she's. Uh, actually a strong normal female character for the most part in the film i mean she gets kind of like brainwashed to a degree but (laughs) does she i think she's the only one actually remains kind of uh like sane (laughs) yeah i guess guess so i mean she definitely like she calls mock out all the mock kidnaps her yeah takes her to nuke york because this is the post-apocalyptic world so it's called nuke york now Yeah, yeah uh and basically threatens her Tries to bribe her, also um, really screws with her bandmates, including Omar yeah, yeah. and the drummer and uh, the bassist. 
And they all think that she's gone off with him to, yeah. to join his band. Because, you know, yeah, it's super successful now and right. just dropped him. So she's off. Uh, and they've gone to New York City to find her because they're worried about her. Um, it's only it's only Omar who's really like, ah, oh, good riddance. Because they kind of had a bit of a, a feud with their band creatively. Right. Right. He wants to do like the, well, the cheap trick sounding stuff. And she like she's got these love ballads, these Deborah Harry ballads that are yeah. awesome. So all the songs in this show are, are so good. Totally. We uh, we basically go through the adventure. Uh, eventually, there's a big concert where uh, this demon portal is going to be opening up, and it's uh, Deborah Harry or Angel who's who's been forced to. Uh, to sing this one line, which basically, given uh, Mock's setup, like it's ready to open this portal. Big concert, so many people there, audience members, and then it works. Obviously, there's a the demon portal is opening, and whoever this thing is comes into this concert as the audience members scream. Yeah, yeah, and not to give anything away. Uh, Watch the film. Watch the film. Check it out. See how that plays out. Oh, there's so much to say about this film. It's a lot. It's um, so it's so good. Just for the track, the tracks alone. The also the so animation good. is better than heavy metal. Absolutely, it's it's amazing to see how like like heavy metal is 81, it was released, and this one was 83, mm-hmm. and just in that like, and I know they were all kind of continued. eight million dollar budget on yeah, on yes. this one, and I know they were all kind of working on these kind of simultaneously from the 70s onwards. But this one is so much more superior. Like, it is so much yeah. more clean, and it, and it looks great. It also has less rotoscoping. Oh, yeah. So, and, like, they do use models for some of their scenes that they, they've animated, but they're not, it's not the same. So, a large portion of the animation in this, in Rock and Rule, is uh, very old-school Disney animation. So, they use the mm-hmm. cells, but they also are using kind of a double-layer system that is very classic to Disney animation, mm-hmm. wherein they put a camera above uh, a glass plate, uh, and they'll put actual physical objects. So, they, mm-hmm. in this case, they, uh, they, one, like of the, a, one of the shots they have, a, they have is yeah. clouds. They have, like, literally, like, cotton ball clouds on top of a glass uh, template. And below that, they have a matte drawing of a city, and they might have mm-hmm. animations going on underneath that with cells over top of it. And they, they pan over these two layers, and so you get this really neat depth of field mm-hmm. with, like, the actual physical video videography of clouds over top of the animation. Mm-hmm. It's a very old-school style. It's used Disney cartoons all the time. Uh for different like matte painting backdrops it was it's where they got that style from mm-hmm. it's neat i love this i love the animation in this film it's really pretty mm-hmm. uh another link to heavy metal is there is still an sctv connection yes okay which is Catherine o'hara Catherine o'hara who plays uh aunt edith yeah. who is the basically the drummer's aunt and she's also a tattoo artist in nuke nuke york city yeah and uh small small part but it feels like both direct, basically both creators of these two movies was definitely trying to. Uh, they were they were they were on the same page in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, I mean they, like they know where their they knew where their talent was. 
<laughs> like including in the music. I mean, so you have Cheap Trick in both these films. Uh, in this one, though, they're like, hey, guys, why don't you actually just make us some new songs? Which is, yeah, it's great. It's so much better to just have these guys doing random scores that progress the story. Yeah. Like, like scores that are not random. The opposite of random scores that progress the story along. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's almost like, it's like uh, Bowie doing Labyrinth, you know. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of thing. Like Lou Reed's track in this uh, for uh, Walk is uh, our mock. Yeah, party. basically uh, Lou, is Lou so Reed good. is is mock, except for one track, which is uh, Iggy. Iggy Pop. Yeah, but what's uh, what's Mock's big track? Uh, I am Mock. Yeah, <laughs> I am Mock. I am Mock by Lou Reed. But he has a he has a what's the lines for that one? Well, let's uh, let's play it. Also, the music videos are awesome. So good. My name is Mark That's it. I know you love the thing of God. You've never seen the likes of me. Why I'm the biggest thing since World War Three. So that's. So that that's that's the line. My his name. My name is Mock. Thanks a lot. The biggest thing since World War Three is yeah. And with the girls backing vocals, it's really super catchy track. Very catchy track. His other one was Triumph that comes on earlier, and you actually see it on a on a TV screen, and it's a music video someone's watching. Um, and what I love is that at this time there was no CGI. But this video looked like you were watching a CGI, like almost like a Tron-esque video on this screen. Yeah. And, and there's these crazy light effects, almost like when you go to the visualizer effect on your iTunes or something. Yeah. You know, when you're playing music. Yes, exactly. And, but it, it, all the visualization um, did, like, was do things of his face. Like, his face kept, like, swooping in and out. Uh, it was, can't, can't emphasize how much you got to watch this one. Yeah. Rock, this rock and roll is... Great film. Uh, did not have a good day at the box office. No. It made, uh, I think it made $30,000. Is that all? That's all it made. And and the reason was. Wow. Yeah. $30,379. 30, Basically, so Nelvana almost. And, and have you heard of it? Probably not. <laughs> we had, it was actually our good old neighbor, Paul. Yeah. Who uh, said, as we were talking about heavy metal, I was like, well, what you got to watch is rock and roll. Yeah. Had that's, no idea. That's the one. And he's a big cheap trick fan. So he, he's, he was all over it. How I much can, did I can't, this cost to make? Eight million. Eight million. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so I can't. I actually can't believe that these names alone weren't a draw. Mm-hmm. So I think it was it was MGM Studios was supposed to pick it up and release it in the states mm-hmm. as a bigger thing. Um, from what I read, uh, there was some changes in administration, and the new administration did not like the film. Uh, they didn't know how to market it again uh, because there was drug references. There's some sex references, but not like heavy metal no it's not as bad as heavy metal. so almost like they they should have just gone all the way or took taken some of these things out but i don't know it's perfect yeah uh it's perfect but at the same time from an executive standpoint it's like well who's our demographic then it's certainly it's a narrow demographic yeah absolutely i mean at the time i can imagine it being it's like 18 to 25 year olds yeah at the time which i mean is like that's a that's a pretty large demographic, time, you know. You understand, but if you're if you're not doing, you know, I guess if you're not including like 
13 to 25 year olds then you're not hitting that yeah. huge dem- the young people demographic and this certainly can't go to 13 year olds mm-hmm. it's still a little too explicit and there's a lot of drug reference lots of drugs lots like of crazy sex. future drugs yeah including like uh digital drugs where it's like yeah. this orb that they're they're touching and it totally scrambles their brains yeah exactly um so this got shelled by mgm never got proper release one of the only releases it got was what it got sent to Europe for some uh, some film festival stuff. So in particular, it got sent to Germany. And in Germany, they actually billed it as a Ralph Bakshi film. Really? They did. Wow, that's so weird. Just to like be able to sell some stuff. Wow. Which is a shame. And they sold $30,000 worth? <laughs> I think I think the $30,000 I think literally just comes from the minimal uh, laser disc and VHS releases that wow, were out there. Wow, that's fascinating. So cuz they did re-release it uh, a version of it in the states. Yeah. Where they for some reason the the uh I don't know if you call it the studios or whatever the uh the sample audience was that they they showed the video to didn't like um Omar's voice. From the original Canadian the version? The ra- original Canadian recorded version. See, they didn't like Omar's voice, so they actually dubbed over it. With a With awful a new voice. actor. It's terrible. It's so like, oh, it's the worst. It sounds so bad. He's got a, a weird California kind yeah. of style to it, and it doesn't fit. Omar's anything. voice was great. It's There's nothing offensive about it. I, I really had no... Com- I didn't th- even think about it. Like, it was just fine. No. It was totally normal. So, they they cut some scenes. They... they, they redid some scenes and so a lot of people who saw it uh, what was the original title what, what was the release in the united states called it was what do they call it they uh it's like power ring or something like that yeah ring of power which right. it, it makes no sense the only no. reference to the ring of power is that uh, uh mock has a ring that happens to have a detector for the voice in it yeah that's it that's it ring of power but that's what it was released as uh, in the states, obviously, that's where it got part of its thirty thousand dollars. Man, rock and rule is like a way better name. I feel that's like great, that would sell yeah. way more tickets. Rock and rule. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's sad. Uh, my, I gotta say though, can't talk enough about the music in this. So good. Earth, Wind, and Fire does a crazy great uh, di- a disco scene in there. Yeah. Um, and Melanie Brown. Uh, also, that's in the same scene. Yeah, it's got this crazy song called "Hot Dogs and Sushi." Yeah, which is done all, only for this film. She references the city that she, Nuke City, that she's in. Yeah, and uh, but my favorite though is is uh, Debbie Harry's song. Debbie and uh, Debbie and uh, pardon me, Robin Zander's duet at the end. Yeah, the uh, the pretty much any it's the Angels track. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's really. So a song that she had sang in the beginning, but this yeah. is like them together. It's kind of their version. It's now. called "Send Love Through." Yeah, let's let's play this clip. I, I love this clip. So this is happening uh, at the climax of the movie when the demon has uh, has been. Well, he's come. He's come through the portal. Yeah. If I can sing it up, I can sing it back. Angel! It's now, Omar! I've got to sing! Sing! No, Angel! Don't! No, Omar! Trust 
So that track is just the catchiest shit. It's super good. It's a really beautiful <laughs> yeah. song. And it would de- de- so Debbie Harry co-wrote it. Yeah. Uh, so that was actually her song. So that wasn't a cheap trick related one. I can't remember who she wrote it with, but uh, he's a guy who I think or basically put all the, t- the music together for this right, show. Right. Right. So, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, Porcelli Brothers out of five. Uh, that this one gets at least a four. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a four. Yeah. I really would have, uh, I would have loved to, the creators of this to actually have been given full reign on the creativity. Yeah, because I think that we could have had a total masterpiece. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, uh, I wish all of these musicians got together and did a Jim Henson movie. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's great, and I, I think uh, I think it was a good evolution. We've seen a neat evolution in 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 adult fil- uh, adult animated films up to this point, at least up to 1983. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay, and a much better female character, much better. Oh man, Angel's awesome. Uh, okay, I mean, well, this has been a BB. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. It. Thanks, thanks, guys. <laughs>